Okay, I'll stop talking now, but just one final thought. I'm going to upload, each week I'm going to upload all of our messages, our voice messages, as a new podcast. It'll just be called Dan and Josh's Conference Call. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's something, yeah. (laughs) There'd be something good about something that's not meant for public consumption in the form of a podcast. People would be like, oh, that's nice. They like ask each other about their lives and that and <laughs> is this a thing is this a good idea <laughs> i stumbled across a magic no effort idea to fame and fortune we'll just keep things on topic um get 20 minutes worth of these put them out and uh, if anyone likes it that's a bonus do you know what it is funny but I was just thinking about it and I just thought that's actually just really cool <laughs> it's just like a really cool thing I don't know if anyone's actually like anyone's done that I'm sort of half joking but it's actually just sort of different and yeah <laughs> it'd be quite funny that yeah oh man yeah imagine if we just had like a like a really good like back and forth about like tears of the kingdom or something well we need a catchy name for it hello i am as you might be able to hear i'm walking down some uh stairs into a dark basement Actually, it's not that scary. But the reason I'm down here is last time I was here, I found that my brother-in-law, when he was a kid, had some games and some games consoles that he used to uh, play. And I was interested to have a look and take pictures of what he's got. So let's start. There is... A silver PlayStation 2 Slim edition. Oh, with a memory card sticking out. Do you remember those? There's also a pristine Dreamcast console. No controllers, nor power supply. So I won't be playing that anytime soon. Now, I'm sure there's some games. I think someone's actually tidied this up since I was last here. What do we have on PS2? We have Guitar Hero World Tour. Oh, here's one for you. NHL 2009. Oh, that's a Canadian, a Canadian fave. Um, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter. Guitar Hero Encore. Rocks the 80s, I think that says. GTA Trilogy. GT Grand Theft Auto La Trilogie. It's in French. Um, Obviously, these are Canadian releases. Rage, Anarchy Edition, Gran Turismo 4, and um, that's it. They're all on PlayStation 2. I don't see any. Oops, I just knocked something over. I don't see any Dreamcast games, but I think he had a Virtua Tennis game here somewhere. I'm climbing over all sorts of storage boxes to get to this treasure. Um, yeah, the Dreamcast games have gone. Maybe, maybe my brother-in-law's mum has sold them on eBay for a tidy sum. But I think he had Virtua Tennis. Oh, hang on, what's this? 
Oh, I found an Xbox 360 controller. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it sort of, sort of sounds like that place might become your tomb if you're not too careful. Um, there are some good... There, there's. Uh, I'm sad to hear that the Dreamcast games have gone. Because I actually bloody love Virtua... I used to have Virtua Tennis World Tour. It was one of the early PSP games. I'm like a quietly a big fan of tennis games. Um, not so much NHL. I feel like hockey hasn't hasn't crossed the the uh, the ocean quite as much as the NBA. But but there you go. One thing one thing I will say uh, is that there are that that's a that's a couple of PS2 gems there. Gran Turismo Four uh, is big time. One of my favourite, possibly my favourite Gran Turismo's, except maybe the new one. Gran Turismo 4 was one of four video games on the PS2 to output at 1080i. So, you know, a little fun fact for you there. One of the other four games to do that was Jackass the Game. So, (laughs) make of that what you will. In the next room, there is a 360. When I think it's the what was it called, the black 360, the 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 first one that came in black. I think it was the was it the Pro, something like that. We have a copy of Fable Three, not the best Fable. Grand Theft Auto Five, I think my best Grand Theft Auto. NHL Twelve, Forza Motorsport Three. Oh, and Fable 2, which I think is the best Fable. Not a bad collection of games, that. A couple of Fables and GTA, that's a good summer's worth of gaming. <laughs> it's funny as well that you're digging through a basement and you find the sort of classic cliche basement find, which is a, which is Guitar Hero or, or, I guess, Rock Band as well. Did you find any of the, the old instruments down there? Because that, that's, that's the sort of... <laughs> classic old chunks of plastic haunting basements and lofts the world over it's something i never got i never tapped into that that craze when those things sort of took over the world i had a friend of mine had like beatles rock band i remember playing it for like 20 minutes and even even then when i was a kid sort of going nah but back to the proper video games <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> I can certainly relate to um, having a few rock band and Guitar Hero games um, on the 360. I had, I think, Guitar Hero 3, World Tour. I think I had Band Hero. I had Rock Band 1, 2 and Rock Band The Beatles, which, despite the quality of The Beatles music, I'm not going to say that The Beatles aren't good because evidently they are. and having watched yesterday, I know what kind of world it would be without them. But that game didn't work. Their songs don't didn't really translate into that kind of frenetic guitar hero rock band gameplay, as well as I don't know bands I don't love, but you know stuff like Aerosmith and good old classic rock tunes. They really do feel fun to play. But the Beatles, it was all a bit delicate, a little bit light, and I don't think when you're like clunking down on plastic guitars, it just didn't you didn't get that feedback as you were playing that made you feel like a a rock star i mean it all makes sense now i say it out loud yeah i think 
when it comes to that's actually the 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 GTA trilogy for PS2 is pretty rare I think um or the really rare one is the double pack when you could I think you could get 3 and Vice City in one in one bit that was like the really really rare one um because they have like when they released those ones that was sort of how they did patches before I guess online infrastructure so when you got the re-releases, like the double pack edition, the trilogy edition, and even like the platinum edition, they had a load of bug fixes. But they also took some music out of those little, those little editions. So they're not not the best ones in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right about about Fable. Probably go for Fable too. I'd probably go for GTA Four over Five. I do I do love Five very much, but Four might edge it for me. But yeah. See if you can find any of those damn Dreamcast games. What a heartbreaker that they're not down there. I come bearing more news from the basement of treasures. Um, So it turns out that Grand Theft Auto Trilogy and Rage Anarchy Edition are not PS2. They are actually also PC games. Um, And interestingly, the GTA Trilogy uh, is still sealed up. So I'm going to tell my brother-in-law never to unseal it <laughs> i don't know if it's um if these versions have music missing um i'll send you a picture but interesting to note that i've just remembered that there was one rock band game that i did buy and i can't actually remember doing it but i would have had to have done it digitally and it's really funny. You're gonna laugh at this because it was ro- <laughs> it was Rock Band Unplugged <laughs> for the uh, for the PSP, which was kind of so. I never bought it physically. You could get it physically, but I, I bought a PSP Go, which I still have now in its little leather case, uh, and it's really nice. Great case. Big fan of a good case. Oh God! I just dropped it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, but maybe we could keep this in for uh, <laughs> for a bit of human flavour. Happy Friday, my friend. Do they say Happy Friday in the UK? In Canada, they certainly do. Everybody at work has said it to me today, and now I say it to everyone back. Um, it's a strange place. Um, I was reading your uh, excellent review of Redfall on videogamer.com, and I'd say that your review is broadly positive, although it certainly, you know, highlights some areas that you, you found lacking. I just wondered what you thought of the the discourse, really. That game has had, kind of, kind of taken a hammering. I think reviews have been mixed, some bad, some good like yours, some in between. And I think yours was a 7 out of 10, so surely, you know, could have been higher, could have been lower. I just wondered what your take on that, on that poor outpouring of... of outrage has been it seems quite over the top i realize xbox has quite a lot riding on this game 
but it's been really vocal and, and quite like um, aggressive. I was, I'm quite surprised because, uh, you know, Arcana are a studio with that, you know, has a lot of respect from a lot of people. People love their games. I'm sure you, I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, Arcane Austin's Prey. I'm pretty sure you really like that game. So yeah, just curious how you how you thought about that that kind of response to it and your review. Um, interested to hear about how it feels. Actually, um, I've got some thoughts on this. But when you put a, re a review out there, and it sometimes can be seen as being at odds with uh, the consensus. I'm not quite sure that applies in this case, but I know you've been there before with Kingdom Hearts <laughs> in, in the past. So yeah, interested. Happy Friday to you too. Um, and yeah, th thanks. Thanks very much. I'm glad you, you know, enjoyed that review. I um, It's a really weird one with, uh, with, with Redfall because I think it's a number of factors that are all coming together at the same time, unfortunately. I think, I think you've got like... It's not the sort of game that Arcane are known for doing, the co-op looter shooter thing. It is sort of outside of their normal comfort zone. And the fact that I think people have looked at it and said it's, you know, pretty generic and doesn't have the intricacy and the, the amazingly deep worlds that that studio is known for, because, you know, by definition, it sort of can't. As One of the things I touched on was like, you can't really stand around reading notes and stuff when you've got a couple of co-op buddies waiting around for you to hurry up you know it's <laughs> i i played most of it on my own now when you play on your own you find it's a little bit diluted because you can sort of see the shape you can see the outline of of what should be a kind of co-op experience or at least what is also meant to be a co-op experience you kind of get a similar thing with gotham knights although i actually found that game was even better suited to to single player than maybe redfall is it's the first game that goes out at seventy dollars as well. They've they they said they were raising the price for their first party games. This this is the first one that's gone out. I think also it's it's about the bugs and the sort of technical problems that the game has because nothing quite winds people up like bugs, um, and uh, <laughs> really gets the internet like vitriolic like a rough launch. But I think you know there's there's. I think they had a lot, I think you're right, like, Xbox did have a lot riding on it, it's like, you know, Redfall and Starfield are sort of the two games for them this year, and they have had a problem with games in this generation, I mean, it's been like three years coming up, and they've got like four exclusive games, I think it's like Redfall, Scorn, Hi-Fi Rush, and Microsoft Flight Simulator, and it's, I mean, you know, some interesting games in there, but I, it, it's like, I don't think, I think Redfall is like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, it was, it was meant to be a sort of big thing, and it kind of really fizzled out. Having said that, the other interesting thing is I did, you're right, like I did, I actually quite liked the game. I uh, I, I think uh, it's a, it was a really weird experience when you're, when you're writing something and, and it's going against the grain, especially because I had no idea what the grain was. You know, I was under embargo and 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 was playing it before it was out, so I had no idea what what people what other people would think of it. But I did quite like it. I've got a soft spot for you know vampire stuff, like that vampires don't pop up in video games all that often, and and when they do, it's rarely very good, frankly. Um, 
<laughs> and I, I like the setting. It's got a cool horror vibe, like a sort of like a Stephen King, New England setting. It's all misty and and like autumnal, really like a kind of cool Halloweeny setting, which is which is nice. It's quite big as well. It's like Bethesda's biggest world. It is, you know, it is diluted and and it does it doesn't quite have that that kind of intricacy and and all the little secrets to find. There are little flourishes here and there, but it's definitely a more diffuse experience than their other games. Um, but yeah, I, I did quite I did I found myself quite enjoying it. Um, and it was a very strange that that when you first see the internet's reaction and everyone's absolutely tearing it to pieces, I did think, whoa, Christ. You know, was I playing something different to what everyone else was 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 playing? Yeah, there was a couple of other reviews I managed to find of people being pretty positive about it, so which made me feel a bit better. I have to say, I think one of the things is bugs. Um, bugs don't really bother me that much. I don't find them very interesting to talk about. I you know I think often they're they're patched out of games. So if you spend too much of your review talking about that, then your review just looks daft after you know in, in the future it's already some sort of time stamps that review <sighs> i find it more interesting to talk about the game itself you know did i notice the bugs yeah i, I noticed the game was slightly rough you know there would, there would be textures that would take ages to pop in but i just thought you know it's a video game oh there's a rough texture there but it, it's not really i think it's not what i'm interested in talking about in reviews i want to sort of talk about the work itself and you know how in, how interesting it is or you know whether it fails or, or or not and 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 some people might say oh well you know you've got a responsibility to mention bugs in in your review and because i don't think i mentioned any and that's interesting i mean I, I think that's people um that comes from a real sort of reviews should be written like consumer guides sort of thing you, you know and, and 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 that's a sort of slightly different discussion i think you know how you like your game reviews but um yeah, they they really didn't sort of impact my experience of it very much. I mean, the game underneath it, that's another matter. People seem to have taken against that way more than I did. Um, I found myself quite enjoying it. One thing that comes to mind about the game is um, maybe it just wasn't communicated especially well as to, to what the game is, what that core of the game was. So you describe it as a co-op open world looter shooter and and so many other uh, people but when i was at gdc i saw a, a pretty good talk about the game's trees and about the 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 nature assets trees the foliage of the game and how that was created and how as you mentioned there stephen king how they really wanted to go for that kind of halloween peter benchley uh, stephen king vibe uh, like that Halloween autumnal North-East American tone and how they tried to do that with the trees. Um, but it was all about how the, the design of those trees um, helped. Uh, not only did they look good, but they also affected how the game plays because of their design. And they very much described it as an immersive sim. Now, I don't think an immersive sim and a co-op open-world shooter, uh, you know, I think they can be complementary. But I wonder if there was just a bit of a disconnect between the perception of what people thought they were getting, the what the publisher thought it was making, what the developers thought they were making, what Xbox thought it was selling, and just somewhere in between it all, it's just fallen apart and the focus wasn't there. I don't know. I'm also interested to play it because I think 
as you mentioned, sometimes the discourse can take over and can swamp the reality of the situation. And the reality is, I'm sure that game is quite is fine, as you said. I, I trust your review. I think that game is probably absolutely fine, disappointing, but by no means an absolute shit show. So it's, um, I think that that's interesting too. One of the things uh, I remember about Cyberpunk when that came out and everyone was really going to town on Cyberpunk, you were sending me on a fairly frequent basis like pictures and little, little videos of how amazing it looked and the atmosphere. There was one in particular, I think, where you left the building and there's kind of like a, a cold mist in the air. Like it looked very damp and the game had bugs but you were finding the the fun in it. Nonetheless, you were finding the the good things in there. And I think when you talk about reviews, bugs are tricky, right? Because quite often those they'll be wiped out with a patch or a series of patches. And if you're trying to review a game ahead of time, yeah, you might want to inform your readers that there are bugs, but then long-term, those bugs might not exist. By the time the review is published, those bugs might not exist. So it's a real difficult, it's a really difficult balance there to, to kind of be informative, but then also not let things muddy your appreciation of the game's design and how it's structured. It's a tricky one, I think, because you can't just, uh, I guess, excuse the bugs. And having a degree of faith that they'll be fixed is probably wise, but not, you know, again, that's it's not your job to account for, you know, a game being released in a in a in a bumpy state. So it's it's a fine line, but I think ultimately I agree with you that a list of technical issues isn't necessarily long term. Um, something that's particularly informative and there are plenty of avenues to discuss that kind of kind of thing I think you know certainly now on websites and social and video and whatever I think a review must has to take it into account but it can't do that to the detriment of, of everything else or maybe I'm just being too kind I've never met a developer who wanted to make a bad game and so I think I'm somewhat inclined to cut them slack but then again you know, they're asking for money and $70, as you rightly point out, is not a small amount of money. And, you know, they've got to keep up their end of the bargain. So it's it's not easy, not simple. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I think I probably found... I think whether or not it's like a a, a mix-up of their communication to people and then... Because I know that the, these days everyone does like, you know, 10 developer diaries and all sorts of previews and stuff. So I think people probably knew what they were getting into, like knew what the game was. But that doesn't mean that... <laughs> I think what you're saying is still right. It's like they're referring to it as an immersive sim. And it's also got these co-op you know looter shooter elements and i do think that fundamentally those two things don't don't coexist to be honest and and my criticism of the game because i don't think it's a, t a terrific game but i don't think it's a terrible game either and i do think that the sort of tension between those two things does diffuse it and sort of water it down for sure but yeah yeah i, I also think that people really tended to have disliked what was underneath all the bugs as well 
whereas I actually sort of didn't. <laughs> and I, re- I remember sending you those um, when I, because I really like cyberpunk. And I should say I did play cyberpunk on a PS5, not a PS4. So fundamentally, I was having like a better experience than than the majority of people. So, so sort of have to get that out of the way first. Um, <laughs> it's easy for me to say, look, look past the bugs with that because I was on next gen hardware. But yeah, I, I do think to to a point, it's it's a little bit boring. It it, it the review doesn't age. I think you you kind of have to do. You can't just talk about the technical shortfalls of it. Like you have to talk about um, the game itself. I suppose back in the day when things came out on discs and that was the end of it, then you would have to talk about the bugs because, you know, patches didn't exist. And I don't want to... I think if everyone took my way of doing it and presumed that there would be patches and, and, you know, maybe that wouldn't be a great way of going forwards because maybe you'd, you know, you wouldn't really sort of put any pressure on publishers to get it right and, and, and to actually support the games you've been maybe a bit too forgiving I, I sort of feel you when you sort of say fundamentally maybe I'm a bit too nice but yeah I, I do I do think it's important to sort of like you know find the fun as best you can with stuff especially when you're reviewing something and I do think I know that people have said they they don't like the game underneath and that's fine but I do think that an unfair amount of uh, of weight has been put on red for I do think it's the the sort of the last domino in the, in the kind of bigger picture of of Xbox right now which is in a bit of a mess and that's not really Redfall's fault to be honest but uh, yeah I would recommend it you know it is good fun a weird one for me is that I'm actually not totally wild about Arcane which is a whole which is a sort of separate thing but i know it's a real sort of like you know celebrated studio and and game journos love arcane and all that sort of stuff i get that but <laughs> and i can see that the design it you know of arcane games is very clever and intricate but um i don't absolutely like i i don't hold them in the same esteem as I would like a rock star or a naughty dog or you know they're not in that sort of they've never made a game which I absolutely love I think like the closest thing would be Prey which I think was is my favorite game of theirs and it's sort of like a decent post Bioshock game but when I think of the immersive sims I love I love Deus Ex I love Bioshock I I don't love Dishonored you know I never really never really loved it it was a good, it was a really fine video game, and, and but yeah, it's an odd one with me. I sort of, I can't quite get up to those completely upper echelons of praise that everyone gives Arcane. But that being said, they know how to build a lovely mood and atmosphere, so I can't fault them on that front. It's funny you should say that, because I've always struggled with Arcane games as well. Um, although I never played Prey, to be honest. Um, but the Dishonored games in particular, I think, are a good example of why I struggle in that I can see that everything here is great. Um, you know, the, the level of effort in terms of design, the the visuals, the, the world building, uh, the type of game it is, all of those appeal to me. But for some reason, Dishonored, as opposed to something like, I don't know, Bioshock, just I felt like I was always playing it wrong. And it wasn't that it wanted me to be stealthy. I think it was more that it said I could be anything, but 
I secretly felt the game wanted me to be stealthy. So every time I would like screw up and end up in a bit of a firefight or have to, you know, knock some guard unconscious or kill him. I felt like I'd done it wrong and I'd have to like restart. And eventually, and I must have tried playing the game about three or four times, eventually I just I just gave up on it. Despite the fact I know that there's so much to like in there and so much to enjoy. Um, also, I think Dunwall as a location was almost too well realised for me. It like literally seemed like it did stink of fish, which, you know, that's never going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. And also... I get, I sort of get that a little bit with like the new Hitman games as well. Well, I actually sort of got that with the old Hitman games. That sense of like, I know they think that they they want me to think that I that I'm free to play any way that I like, but I sure do feel them sort of slapping my wrist when I decide to kill a load of folk. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like they did Death Loop, which which just sort of encouraged you to do quite a lot of shooting but it was sort of a bit evident that they couldn't really like handle that themselves on the like those games the mechanics and the way that you move and the way that you have like sort of melee weapons like swords and stuff and like sparing and like abilities that that are sort of tied to a cooldown or whatever it's like they definitely want you to be more sneaky than anything else you know um <laughs> and yeah it's just it's never really been a play your way type of thing and i always just feel like saving it and then loading another save if i cock up so it, there is a bit of that for sure also is it just me right i know this sounds a bit <sighs> don't put just a load of stuff for me to read in the game and just just sort of sideline all your world building to just very lengthy pages of things to read it's like Video games can encompass loads of things as a medium. But I don't know that they should just randomly just turn into books for quite long stretches and I have to sort of like squint into my TV for ages. I'd, ra- I like a- <laughs> I'd rather read a book at that point. Um, yeah, maybe a bit unfair. I don't know. Apologies for not uh, being in touch over the past few days. It's been a little manic, what with family, business and work. It's a nice blue morning in Toronto and uh, sitting on the balcony, looking forward to getting it into Tears of the Kingdom a little bit more. Um, But uh, one thing that sprung to mind when you were talking about reading in games and I was thinking about Tears of the Kingdom and how... uh, the lore in in the most recent Zelda games has been quite how how cool it is how you know it's all been found in ruins these these oblique Zonai references in Breath of the Wild and how no one really knew what that was and now we're getting to find out a little bit more about it. I love that those these, these breadcrumbs for fans to like chew over and decipher kind of outside of the game rather than just reading a load of books within a game. That said. 
I used to quite enjoy the books in Skyrim in so much as I thought reading them was a chore, but I kind of liked the fact that they existed and that they were optional and that you could, uh, if you're so inclined, read pages upon pages about old kings and things. But really, for me, it was just like flavour and, uh, and colour. It was nice to know it was there, even if I didn't read every, li- every single line. Anyway, I was thinking, uh, let me know what you think, uh, but let's uh, maybe wrap up our first episode with uh, this comment and anything you might have to say while I... uh, And we'll see if this uh, stupid experiment works. Hope you're well, and I look forward, in any case, to discussing Zelda with you. Hello. Uh, Good morning, or good evening now. Um, Yes. Yeah, you know what? It's funny, because though (laughs) I think... Um, it's less the volume of the reading things and it's more actually I think about caring about what you're reading because you're right I actually do really like that idea of this world has this unbelievable lore and history and these developers have gone and written all this stuff out and it's it's all there if you want it and I think that's a lovely idea that what what you say about you know even if you don't read it (laughs) it's nice to know it's there but but there are um, things where Deus Ex was really good at this. The newer Deus Exes with uh, Adam Jensen. Uh, I really loved... I must have read a hundred emails in that game. And knocking about those headquarters, just reading... And I think what it is, is rather than sort of goblins and elves and all that sort of stuff, just office emails between people is sort of delightful. You know, people getting crabby because they can't remember their passwords. And... (laughs) And all that sort of stuff. So you, you're not wrong, actually. Like, I, it's not actually the reading I mind. It's I suppose it's what I'm reading. Um, although I suppose also the emails are shorter than those. I remember when I was playing The Witcher 3 and you get unbelievable stuff, you know, pages and pages of stuff. So maybe it's a little to do with length as well. On the uh, on the Zelda thing, I, uh, I it's so lovely because uh, I, I agree completely. And it was it was one of the things when Breath of the Wild came out. Uh, not to bang this old uh, drama, it's a bit of a cliche now, but um, it was clear with Breath of the Wild that Nintendo had sort of looked outside, you know, had looked at other things. And one of the things that I thought they definitely looked at with Breath of the Wild was Dark Souls. And it's that lovely idea of... Uh, we're putting things physically in the world, you know, we're putting ruins there and you have to think about it, you know, you have to look at the, at the physical shape of the world and we've put little, little things there, just, you know, just, just for you to think about, but it's totally not rubbing your face in it at all uh, and actually if you do sort of follow the clues... There's a rich history. It's, it's that sort of passive environmental detail, you know, which goes beyond, you know, graffiti on walls, which is what Western games tend to do a lot of the time. <laughs> Actually, it's a sort of come from Japan, really, that idea of the, the deep-seeded environmental detail. I was listening to you there thinking, he's going to mention Dark Souls in a minute. He's going to mention Dark Souls. And for a second, I thought that you wouldn't mention Dark Souls, but you did mention Dark Souls. So I don't have to mention Dark Souls, but it does mean that we've got Dark Souls in this first 
odd podcast of voice messages. So uh, something to be proud of, I think. Um, I know there are some people that we know who will be very pleased for us to have mentioned that game. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I think I'll, I'll finish this, uh, this line of conversation with a, an admission of a guilty pleasure. I'm quite fond of the emails in the Assassin's Creed games, uh, in particular the Desmond trilogy, um, which I always just found quite funny that you'd be embarking on this high-stakes adventure. The fate of the world is is, uh, is at stake. And you, Desmond would be ejected from the animus in between sequences and be groggy and angry and got to get back in there, got to find the artefact. But before you do that, you'll just read a few emails from the, uh, from the PC that's been set up and you'll find out things like Rebecca might have a dog or Rebecca and Sean are flirting or maybe an item just random little bits of workplace banter, which kind of really just sound like odd. We're saving the world, but in the meantime, my dog's causing me trouble or I really don't like the sandwich that Sean bought for me. Just weird, random uh, stuff. I love the fact that someone has a job to, to put that stuff together and put it in a game. I don't even know if it's good, but it's, uh, it's funny. <laughs>